All right, good morning. I'm just going to catch you guys up quick. We are in the midst of a series. The series is called The Room. The Room is a metaphor for uh, your responsibilities, what God's put in your life. So everybody has a room, and there's stuff in that room called your responsibilities and roles. And uh, we want to steward what, what God has given us. The Bible says a, says a lot about stewardship, so we're going to jump into that today. And we've been talking about um, humility. And last week, we actually talked about how we all have responsibilities, right? And with those responsibilities, we talked about this idea that um, we are in need. And you might say, well, why are you in need? Well, how many, do I have any husbands that are here? How many of you would say you're probably a better husband than your neighbor? Go ahead, raise your hand. Nice. All right. How many of you would say you're probably a better husband than Christ? Right? No? Okay. So it, it kind of depends on context, because like some of you that are in the room, you're like, you know, I'm a, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty good Christian. Well, compared to who? Christ? Right? And so one of the things that we need to always do in our lives is actually put ourselves in a place of need, because we're comparing our, ourselves to Christ, not to each other. Does that make sense? And that's what I'm going to be talking about with you guys today. And when we put ourselves in a place of need, then we can humble ourselves. And anytime we humble ourselves, God will send the resources, the grace, the exaltation, whatever it is that we need. And it's an amazing thing. So this is what I'm not saying to you this morning. I think everybody in this room has responsibilities, and I think everybody knows you could be doing a better job with them. Amen? So I'm not saying this. Well, you just need to try real hard. It's good to be diligent. Don't get me wrong. But when you take effort plus humility, you get the results that actually glorify God. Are you guys following me? So that's what I want to talk to you guys about today. Before I do, I want to read to you um, Philippians chapter 2. I don't have it on the uh, slides, but I want to read it to you anyway. It says in verse uh, chapter 2, verse 3, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind or humility, let each esteem others better than, than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interests of others. So we're called, yes, you are to look out for your own interest, but not just your own interest. You're actually called to look out for the interests of others in humility. And so now that gets really interesting. Because the, no, nothing in the world is directing you to do that. The Lord is directing you to do that. And I, I really believe that God has yet to reveal his wisdom around what humility can look like in your life in a powerful, powerful way. And I do believe that it's as easy as asking him. How many of you would like God's grace on your marriage? Right? Well, I don't need God's grace in my marriage, guys. I'm a pretty good husband. That's ridiculous. See, if you don't see your need for him, you'll never humble yourself. And if you don't humble yourself, his grace, his empowerment will not fall on that area of responsibility. And that's, that's really, really what this thing is about. And so Christ was one who humbled himself more than any other man, who emptied himself out and actually made himself a bondservant. And it's like, when you read the stories of Christ, it's like, now, has, has Christ been exalted? Is his throne higher than any throne? Is he king of king, lord of lords? 
Well, no one has humbled themselves like Christ has. But there's an invitation for you to humble yourself. So let me just say it like this. Um, with a practical example. I was on the phone with this pastor the other day. So I'm, I've, I've gone back into school and, I, and I'm studying. And the thing that I'm studying my, this is really cool that I get to do this. I'm studying upon um, the habits, the humility habits of leaders. That's actually what I'm studying. And so I'm, I'm trying to figure out what does it look like for leaders to humble themselves and what are the results of that humbling so, you, so you, that you can almost quantify the favor of God on people's businesses and on their lives and on their ministries. And I was on the phone with this pastor that had the biggest Church of God church in the state of Pennsylvania at one point. And I was talking to him, and this is what I said to him. I said, how many ministers have had conversations with you asking you, how did, how did you have such a flourishing ministry? And you know what he told me? Three. And I said, just three? And he said, yep, and I know who they are, and I know their names, and they were young. He said, but three, three gentlemen came to me and asked me, how are you doing this? And I said, you know, that's interesting. Do you think that's humility? If somebody is getting better results than you at something of an area of your responsibility, let's say you own a business, right? And let's just say you own a window company. And there's a window company in that area that's down the road, and they're actually expanding. Do you know what humility would look like? That you would go and talk to that owner and say, can I take you out to eat? I want to celebrate your growth. And then while you're at dinner, you can ask them, can I ask you a question? How did you, how did you expand in this way? Wouldn't that be cool humility? Rather than saying, well, look who lucked out. Look where the cards landed. And what does it look like in marriage to humble yourself? What does it look like in your job to humble yourself? What does it look like as a Christian to humble yourself before the Lord? Matthew 5.5 5 says this, Blessed are the gentle, some versions use meek or humble, for they will inherit the earth. See, what, what you guys don't understand and what we need to be teaching our kids, you can't stop the humble. And when it says meek, it doesn't mean weak, okay? You can't stop the humble. They're going to take over everything. Why? Because they put themselves in a position where they're not done yet. And if someone's not done yet, that means they're still on a journey and they're still gaining ground. Does that make sense? So there, there's, there's you know, some people in this room that says, this is good enough. My life is good enough. For who? For you, maybe. Is it good enough for God? Is God getting enough glory out of your life? Are you done giving God glory? I'm not. Because one day, where I end up in this life doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is who I'm going to end up in front of and give an account of my life to the one in whom hopefully it was for that he would get as much glory out of my life as possible. And I gotta tell you guys, he's not done with you. He's not done with you yet. And I know the world is encouraging you to settle down, relax, retire, don't, don't do anything, right? And that's happiness, it's not happiness. If you can look at this with me, If this is Christ and where Christ is at, and this is, I'm, I, chest. I'm telling you, I need, I need Grammarly. 
I worship Christ. Some of you might worship Chist. Um, so anyway, if that's where Christ is at, you know, and this is where, where we're at, like as far as, well, it, what are you talking about? In what realm? Well, just like, like pick one, you know? It's, it's you acknowledging this distance. That's the beginning of humility. It's seeing the gap and saying, you know what? If Christ could do it, you might say, well, that's Christ. Christ said, follow me. Christians means little Christ-like ones. You're called to be Christ-like, not to sit there. So this, is, this is not what humility is. I'll never be able to. Oh, geez, that was Jesus, and I'm just me, and I, God lives inside of you. And if you want a humbling, like, does an all-powerful, all-knowing being looks like he lives inside of me in the aspects of my responsibility? That's humbling. And then knowing that it's possible. Do I look like I have all wisdom, all revelation, and all strength in my marriage? Does it look like I have all wisdom and all revelation and all strength and all power as a pastor? That's what you're called to. It's not, humility is not, this is me and I'm always going to be here and it's just little old me and I just stink. That's not it. It's recognizing this gap and having the hunger to do something about it and humbling yourself in such a way that he comes himself and puts his exaltation and his power upon you and lifts you up. That's what it looks like. So last week, in responsibility, we, we mentioned some things. I said, there is no little or big, just faithful or unfaithful. And what I meant by that is that as people, we get so caught up in the size of what we're working with. Well, if it's a big deal, I'll really pay attention to it. No, that's not true. Because if you're faithful with a little thing, he'll be, you'll be faithful with a bigger thing. So no matter how little your responsibility is, it's a big deal in the kingdom. Because if you're faithful with that, he can trust you with larger things. We watched him in the parable of the minus. We actually watched him be trustworthy. He actually gave these servants money, and then he gave those servants cities. Isn't that amazing? There was a, a principle that we learned that responsibility is a gift and a reward. It's not a burden. Responsibility is a gift and a reward. It's, it's, the, it's, it's the chance to give God glory. Prophetically speaking, today is little, but tomorrow is bigger. If today is faithful, tomorrow will be bigger. Time will not bring your transformation. Humility does. And if you're faithful with a little thing today, you'll be faithful with a little thing tomorrow. And so what do we need to do? We need to practice gratitude and focus. And so today we're working on need, and I, 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 I've taken on this perspective. Somebody handed me a peanut butter cup. I'm not trying to eat those today. This is our perspective. I am un, I'm unqualified and unequipped to handle what I've been given. I'm unqualified and unequipped to handle what I've been given. And well, what do you mean by that? Well, I'm pointing to the gap. See, God trusts us with things that we can't handle so that we will depend upon him to be able to handle them. If you were qualified and equipped to handle it, he already would have dumped on more. Does this make sense to you guys? If you were faithful and trustworthy with what you have right now, he would have already given you more. Do you think God has more responsibility for Christians to do? Do you think there's more of his will he wants to do on the earth? 
Do you think he's just waiting on the stewardship of, of little old us to be able to handle and do a really good job with what it, he's, that, what it is that he's given us because we've humbled ourselves in such a way that he's actually been able to dump his power and his grace upon us and then he exalts us? But like using me as an example, I, I, I don't know what qualifies a, a pastor to, to, to be a pastor of, of this many people. I just know that I don't got it, right? And I know that I'm not qualified to do it. But I do know that God has power. I do know that God has wisdom. I know that he has revelations. I, I'm not talking about trying really hard to be a good pastor. I'm talking about a pastor humbling himself in such a way that God would give him revelation and power to actually be able to apply his wisdom to a group of people to see them through. It's not... I'm not going to, well, I'm just going to try a lot harder than I'm currently. Well, no, you're only a certain capacity. Does this make sense? You need more God. God can get it done. Well, I'm just going to sit back and wait for God to get it done. That's not the formula. It's not sit back and wait. It's humble. Humble yourself. Humble yourself can look like admitting your own lack of knowledge and deciding that you're going to go and get it. Amen? Humbling yourself can look like asking for help. Humbling yourself can look like having a group of counselors and getting advice. Humbling yourself can look like a lot of different things to a lot of different people, and there are still ways on the earth that have never even been tried yet that God has the wisdom around humility that he wants to share with us. In um, John fourteen twelve, it says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I'm going to the Father. Jesus is not saying to you, yeah, right. You'll never be like me. He is daring and calling you to come after him in such a way and be able to pull off what it is that he was able to live and do and be. Humility isn't saying there's no way I'll ever be like Christ. Humility is admitting the gap and saying, I'm going to try to follow him, but I actually need him to be able to pull it off. There's, a, there's a, an invitation in Matthew 5. It says this, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Therefore, you shall be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Um, I remember there was a, a, a person once who, who had enemies and I was having a conversation with them and they told me what the Lord told them to do and he had sent them um, $100 in gift cards with a, a prayer. They left it anonymous it was in the card. They just sent them that and blessed them and this person was actively trying to destroy them. Do you think that's humility? Do you think God told them to do that? What do you think happened to that man afterwards? Do you think he was exalted? Oh, yeah. You can't stop humility. Nothing can stand in its way. It's empowered by the Lord. Listen to this. Therefore, you shall be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. That's what Scripture in this example calls perfection, being able to love your enemies. And he's saying, you can do it. Follow me. Be perfect as I am perfect. Isn't that cool? 
He's not saying this. Yeah, right. You'll never be perfect. You'll never be able to bless your enemies or do what I did because I'm just morally above you and <laughs> good luck. A lot, of, a lot of people's Christianity says that. And here's the thing. They never un, uh, end up humbling themselves because the gap doesn't exist and all they have is to be able to compare themselves with the people around them. Now listen to this. I am the vine, you are the branches, the one who remains in me, and I in him bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. You know how I was talking about how like, we gave away $29,000 in this month, right? Do you know what we're trying to do? Remain in him. Why? Because if we were to keep the money and try to do something here with it, right, it doesn't matter because I want to be a part of him. I want to be a part of him because if I'm not a part of him, all my efforts and all my work equals nothing. When I stand before him one day, I'll be like, what about the thing that I did back in the day there? I'll be like, it was nothing. Well, what do you mean? You did it on your own. It was apart from me. It doesn't count because it wasn't done in love because if I wasn't involved, love wasn't involved. And if I wasn't the motive of your heart, then certainly love wasn't. So the, the principle is this, and if this isn't the principle that you have, like you've got to wake up to the reality of what Scripture says. Not traditional, bogus Christianity that tried to humble people by making them feel bad and saying you'll never be like Christ. In my opinion, that, that's demonic. That's demonic, and that's condemning. The principle is this. God has called you to be like him and wants you to empower you to do it. No, you can't be like him apart from him. It's never going to happen. But he wants to partner you with you in such a way. Well, how do I partner with God? Well, you humble yourself. And his grace will come upon you. There's a person once who was having marriage struggles. And in their opinion, they weren't having marriage struggles. Their spouse was. And um, their, their spouse was not doing too well or being too well, or acting too well towards them. And um, they decided to go to their spouse and say to their spouse, how can I be a better spouse towards you in the midst of not being treated very well? You think that's humility? That, that person must see something with Christ that empowered them to be able to go to somebody who's not fulfilling their role in a covenant they made and say, how can I do a better job? Do you think God's grace hit that person's life like a tsunami? And who cares if the spouse does or doesn't do their role? If God's grace is upon you, is there anything better than that? I'm not trying to make light of people's roles in marriage. Please don't hear it like that. I, I can't make somebody else humble themselves. I can humble myself. And I can be exalted. And I can have God's power upon me. I can have his grace upon me. But I can't do it for another person. Nor will I ever let my position or perspective hinge upon another person's ability to manifest or not manifest love. Silliness. I can manifest love. There's a problem, though, and Matthew 7, 4 says it, and the humble can see it. 
It says this in Matthew 7, 4, or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye and look at the log that's in your own eye? The problem with this whole thing is we tend not to see this gap or have it in perspective. When we come to church, we're kind of reminded and we're like, oh yeah, I should be more like Christ or Christ, right? (laughs) Chist. There's a log in our eye. You know what's amazing about that passage? It doesn't say that God's going to pull it out for you. It says that people are. There's a lot of people out there that have their own individual walk with the Lord, and it's very individual. And I got to tell you, there ain't much grace on their life because of it, because they're not walking with a group of people, and they don't let people speak into their life and correct them when they're off track. And they say, well, I don't need anybody to correct me. I walk with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will correct me. He uses other people. And did you know that we've all let everybody know loud and clear whether or not they're allowed to correct us through our response whenever they did try once? Your response to someone's correction is your answer to whether or not they're allowed to do that. If you said, thank you so much for loving me enough that you would actually have the courage to come to me and actually tell me something that's hard, that says a lot about our relationship and thank you for trusting me with that, I'm really gonna look at that in my life. You've just given that person full permission to come to you anytime that they see something off in that gap and correct you, which is what you want in your life. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. So it doesn't say just think lowly of yourself. It says, no, think to the degree, to the level of faith that you've been given. That is where you're at. So it's actually a call of process to actually receive more faith, right, from the Lord. And and we, we, we want to believe more than we currently do. Like when I told all of you guys, hey, you're called to be like Christ, there's certain amounts of levels of faith in the room that says, yes, I can be. There's sort ofs and there's, there's no ways that I can be. And it's like, if that's where you're at, so be it. But don't not start a process of growing in faith. Don't, don't say like, well, you know, I'll never be like, or, or that's, that's just not for me. Or that's, for, you know what I used to do when I was young? I used to say, that's for special people. That's for saints. Living a moral life, that's for the saints. I'm a sinner. It's what I do best, and I'm sticking to it. Meanwhile, I had been made a saint in Christ and didn't know it. So I want to read this for you real quick. Um, it's it's second, second Chronicles. It says this, If I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send a plague among my people... And then 14 says, and my people who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. He's basically saying this, like, does the nation of Israel look like God is blessing it? Are you experiencing blessing? If not, then there's probably something wrong. And here's what you need to do. You need to humble yourself, seek my face and pray. 
So like, and again, I think it's okay to do this. I think it's okay to look at your external circumstances and say, does my life look like it's blessed by God? Does my performance look like there's an all-knowing, all-powerful God living inside of me? And if not, I want you to know it's okay to humble yourself, seek his face, and pray so that he might heal you. Do you guys get it? There's another um, section in Scripture here where he, where he also points to external circumstances. It says, Now then, the Lord of armies says this, Consider your ways. You have so much only to harvest little. You eat, but there is not enough to be satisfied. You drink, but there is not enough to be drunk. You put on clothing, but there's not enough for anyone to get warm. And the one who earns wages to put it into a money bag full of holes, the Lord of armies says, consider your ways. And there's another time where he's saying to the nation of Israel, you've got to look at your external circumstances and say, does my external circumstances point back to a covenant? And does it look like I'm holding up my end of the covenant? If it doesn't, what should you probably do? Humble yourself, seek his face and pray. Does this make sense to everybody? Now, this sermon is a bummer because I'm going to be leaving you in a place of need, okay? And that's not good, but you guys are strong Christians and you're going to be okay, all right? You got to come back next week. So what's the practical thing that I'm saying here? It's, I need help. I need help. If you're not in a state of, I need help, then you're not seeing the gap. But I need help. He's not getting enough glory out of my life yet. I'm not done. I'm still here. I, I, I'm not uh, as Christ-like as Christ would be in my marriage or as a pastor or as a father or as in any of my roles. I can see the gap. The log has been pulled out. I need help. In Hebrews 4.1, it says this, Therefore we must fear, if while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed we have had good news preached to us, just as they also did, but the word they heard did not benefit them, because they were not united with those who listened with faith. Everything can go wrong on a dime. I need everybody to hear that. Um, in this life, we'll have tribulation. And so when I'm talking about external circumstances, I'm not saying, hey, you must have really humbled yourself. There's nothing going wrong at all in your life. Good job. That's not what I'm saying. Things are going to happen. And how we respond to them. Things happen to King David. Things happen to Jesus. Things happen to Paul. Things happen to Peter. Things happen, right? Heaven forbid, though, that so many things happen to us that we stop humbling ourselves and stop seeing the gap, and stop fixing our eyes on the prize. These, these, this is specifically written about those who had left Egypt. They were wandering in the desert, and they died in the desert because they didn't make it to the promised land. They said, this is the way we are. We're never going to get there, and we're sunk. And they complained a lot. They had the full option of waking up and saying this, aren't you excited when we get to that land of milk and honey? Isn't it going to be awesome? They didn't wake up and say that. 
They said this, did he bring us out here to die? We're going to die in this desert. My marriage is always going to be the same. Nothing's ever going to change. It is what it is. Humility is the way out and the way forward. There's a process that he wants you to overcome. There's a gap. There's a journey you're on. Do not forsake that journey and get distracted by good circumstances or bad ones. You're not done yet. He hasn't gotten enough glory out of you yet. You're going to let your light shine in such a way that people are going to see your life and say there must be a God in heaven. Now, I'm going to read to you something that's so depressing, and I'm so sorry. (laughs) But it wakes me up, it sobers me up. Do you guys know who King Saul is? King Saul was was the first king of Israel. Israel was not supposed to have a king. They were working through a judge system and a prophet system that was supposed to be in place. Uh, The people said, we want a king. And the prophet at the time, the reason they said that is because his kids were kind of crazy. And he said, okay, um, the Lord's going to give you a king. The Lord chose King Saul and I think sometimes when we read Scripture, we, we, when we read Scripture, I, I don't think any of us are, are, we don't lean toward Calvinism here, all right? And uh, we, we do believe in, in that we have free will. We do believe that, that God is king, but we don't believe that he's controlling everything. We believe people have free will. And I believe when he chose Saul, that Saul had a covenant that was made with him that his children could have been on the throne forever, as long as he held up his end of the bargain. We watched David do it, and God held up his end of the bargain, right? But Saul um, did not do what he was supposed to do, and there wasn't the humility that could have been there. There was a lot of humility in the beginning, but as he got going, he decided he knew better than the prophet, and he didn't follow through with the instructions he was given. And then he was going to perform the sacrifice, which was a no-no. And I want to read to you what God said about Saul. I regret that I made Saul king because he has turned back from following me and has not carried out my commands. And Samuel, which was the prophet, was furious and cried out to the Lord all night. I regret that I have made Saul king because he has turned back from following me and has not carried out my commands. Let me make it more personal. I regret that I made Adam pastor of Praise Community Church. Is it possible? Is it possible that the Lord would say that to me one day? Oh, it's possible. But people never consider the possibility. And because there is no danger, there's not any oomph in their step. And they're not watchful and they're not careful and they're more relaxed and then all of a sudden you end up like those people in the wilderness that fall over dead on the journey. I regret making Adam the father of those three kids. I regret trusting Adam with Erica. Is it possible? Oh, it's possible. Would you ever want to hear that? No. The threat is real. The danger is real. It's possible. Do you know what that makes me want to do? 
makes me want to walk more humbly. It makes me want to be empowered by him more. It makes me see the gap more. And we're going to have to go on out on that note. So I, the reason I say that to you guys is because, man, I, I want us to walk in, in such sobriety. I watch the immature walk in such a way as if there's no danger, right? But as you get older, you've seen the danger and you've watched people fall into danger and you tend to be a little bit more careful because the threat is real and there is real danger out there. But I want to leave you with this. I did put down some hopeful scriptures here. Listen to this. This is what Paul is saying to to the Philippians. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work among you will complete it by the day of Jesus Christ. Somebody said that to me recently when I said, you know what, I just feel like I could be doing better at this. They said, well, I am confident that the work he started in you, he's going to finish. Philippians 2.13 says this, for it is God who is at work in you both to desire and to work for his good pleasure. God is very much invested in you and the process of making you look like him for his own pleasure because it brings him great joy. So what did I say today? I said this about perspective. I'm unqualified and unequipped to handle what I've been given. If I was qualified and equipped, he would have piled more on by now, Amen. God has called me to be like him. God wants to partner with us and finish the work. And I need help. And if it ever looks like I don't need help, or if you ever hear me say something that makes it sound like I know what I'm doing, you can say, hey, you're the guy that wrote chest on the board that one time. Calm down. All right? So I, I am, man, I, I'm, I'm committed to figuring out what humility looks like. I need his help to figure out what it looks like. I remember I went to him one time and I, I said, Lord, I said, I don't know how to lead. I don't know. I need your help. And, and within 24 hours, he told me what leadership was and it's only four things. Isn't that good? Now, I, didn't, I, 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 can't, I can't do that. I just can't, I know me. But man, if you humble yourself, he'll tell you. Now, I can feel like I have to tell you what they are, right? You're there, leaders motivate people. They also develop people, develop the inside. They also train them to be able to do the outside well. And they also provide whatever it is they need to do the best job they possibly can do. Motivate, develop, train, provide. And you can fit everything a good leader has ever done in those four categories. That's it. But that was him. And all that was, now I've tried to like now put systems behind that wisdom here at this church for the employees and the people that are in charge of ministries that are here, but that's his wisdom. It's not mine. But the humility was mine. I'm the one who admitted I didn't know what I was doing. I can take credit for that. And that's what he's looking for. He's looking for people who are humble enough to say, I, I, I don't know, I'm unequipped, I'm unqualified. To what would give you more glory 
I don't know if I could pull it off without you, God. I need your help. I need your wisdom. Amen? Amen. Would you guys stand? Now, let me just, let me just say, it's, it's January, and, and we're in 2023, and what if this year you had more acts of humility than you ever had before? Do you guys ever, like, at the beginning of the year, like, say, man, I wonder what is going to happen this year? Well, there's what's going to happen if you humble yourself and what's going to happen if you don't, right? If you humble yourself, you will be exalted. How many of you would like an exalted 2023? that's filled with his grace, his power, his favor. Amen? Amen. And see, that's, 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 the, uh, that's so interesting about a prophetic word. It's like someone can give you a prophetic word, and it's like uh, that word will probably come to pass if you humble yourself. But just because somebody gave you a word doesn't mean it's going to come to pass if you have pride. Saul got a word. It's that his descendants were going to be on the throne forever if... He obeyed his commands, right? So yeah, I'm, I'm all about him, me, partner together, him getting glory, me standing in front of him one day and saying, here's our life, Lord. Amen? If we humble ourselves, that's what it'll be like. So Father, I'm asking, lift your hands if you want wisdom around what that looks like. Think of one area in your life where, where you know there's a really big gap between how you do it and how Christ would have done it. And, and let's just ask him, that in the next 24 hours that he would give us wisdom around that. And I mean, and if you're sincere, raise your hand. I bet you he'll give it. And then tell me about it because I want to hear it. So Father, we thank you. We praise you. Lord, there's wisdom around humility. Humility looks like something. And man, it looks like sometimes wisdom. Sometimes it looks like revelation. Sometimes it looks like a conversation with a specific person. Lord, whatever it is it looks like, Lord, would you just show us what that is? Would you lead us to the right book? Would you lead us to the right person? Would you lead us to where it says it in scripture that we need to hear it? Would you give us the wisdom and revelation that you have? Would you empower um, these positions of responsibility you've given us? We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Have a great Sunday. Thank you for watching with us. At Praise, our mission is to inspire, challenge, and transform people for generations to come. And we hope today's message can do just that. If you have any questions or would like to learn more about Praise, email us at info at If you'd like to support Praise financially, you can visit praiseyork.com slash give. To stay up to date with sermons, events, and changes, at Praise, make sure to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel.